from the Montana Kaiman, University of Montana's independent student-run newspaper. This is the Kaiman Cast for the week of May 2nd. I'm Austin Amistoy. He's the main man in Main Hall. He's a special forces commander turned higher ed administrator. He's the president who brings the pizza. But he's also at the center of many issues that mattered to UM students and faculty this year, from calls to oust racist and misogynistic professors to lawsuits alleging sex-based discrimination. On this final Kaiman cast of the academic year, President Seth Bodner takes stock of a tumultuous year at UM and takes questions from students in his second-ever Kaiman Q&A. Well, our final guest of the Kaiman Cast inaugural year is probably one of our most recognizable yet. Seth Bodner has led the University of Montana as president for the last four years, steering the ship out of a decade-long enrollment and identity crisis and through a new one in the form of the COVID-19 pandemic. Before coming to UM, President Bodner served as an executive at General Electric, an economics instructor at West Point, where he previously graduated as both a Truman and Rhodes Scholar, and as a member of the U.S. Army's elite Green Berets, commanding a special forces detachment in multiple deployments. In a February opinion piece published by the Heckinger Report, Bodner assessed the job of university president as, quote, pretty damn hard, and a challenge unique to even those he faced in the service. The article focused on Bodner's embrace of student protests as a sign of a healthy campus. Bodner wrote, quote, Our job as leaders in higher education is not to quell dissent or resolve debate, but rather to sponsor that spark within our students. In short, we, the administration, the very embodiment of the status quo, are called to nurture and encourage those who seek to challenge us. In that spirit, President Bodner joins me today in the audio booth to take stock of a tumultuous year at UM and answer some questions for me and from students across campus. President Bodner, thanks for coming in. Great. It's great to be here. Thanks, Austin, for having me. President Bodner, I think this may be our first Q&A style interview with the Kaiman since your inauguration four years ago. So we've got a lot to cover. Yeah. <laughs> but I am going to generally take you and listeners through the 2021-2022 academic year, taking stock of the ups and the downs. We've got a lot of questions from students, um, some of whom you'll hear from when I play their questions for us, and you can respond to them directly. Um, some are serious and some are a little silly, but it's a chance for listeners to get your thoughts on the year as president and also get to know you a little a little bit better. All right. I look forward to it. President Bodner, the thing that definitely came up the most when we were soliciting questions from students is where I'm going to start us today. And I really wouldn't be doing my duty as a journalist if I didn't start with a question under that topic. So I got to ask, where did you park this morning? <laughs> well, I parked it a lot uh, beside Main Hall, actually. This All morning. right. Yes. Excellent. You know, <laughs> over uh, by the UC. <laughs> well, of course, this question didn't, didn't just come out of the blue. Yeah. The more serious questions we've gotten from students, um, there's been some controversy on the student body over the location choice for our new permanent home of the Montana Museum of Arts and Culture, which, of course, I think everyone agrees is objectively good that this gallery mm -hmm. is going to get a permanent home and, you know, it's privately funded and is going to drive interest in the arts at UM. But why did the location for this building have to come at the cost of, you know, 200 parking spaces in the Adams Center lot? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. And, and Austin, I, I first off want to acknowledge, you know, the, the, the frustrations with parking. Um, that is something that, that we're keenly 
uh, focused on. And and so, you know, I, I think I'd start with, you know, the, the, the reason for that location for the Montana Museum of Art and Culture. Over the, uh, a couple of years ago, we went through a, a student life master planning process that had students uh, involved in that process. Um, and we identified that portion of campus is really the, the arts and entertainment quarter. We have mm. the Adams Center there. You have Memorial Walk, which is a most, one of the most beautiful parts of campus heading north that frankly just ended in a street. And we thought, hey, there's a great opportunity here um, to, uh, to, to, to think about the use of this space to build upon that arts and culture center of, of campus. Mm. With the support of a donor, uh, we have the opportunity now to bring really the the, the treasure that is the Montana Museum of Art and Culture, much of which is stored underground uh, in hallways, we have the chance to bring that in a, in a very prominent place on campus, uh, mm-hmm. the, the, bring those treasures into the, into the public, uh, public domain. And so, yeah. you know, the uh, <clears throat> lot P, that's the lot that's been taken offline. It is, uh, it is over 200 spots, uh, of course, and, and that has caused disruption this semester. I want to say that by next semester, half of those spots will come back online. Um, we have brought, even as of now, I, I think f- about 40 more spots from uh, from what were pay lots back into permit lots. And we're actually looking at spots across different areas of campus that we're actually going to expand parking um, by perhaps up to, to more than 500 uh, additional spots. So, you know, there is a temporary pinch. And yeah. I want to acknowledge that uh, that, that does pose, pose some difficulty to students. But, but we are addressing that in the long run, we expect to uh, expand parking options. And we're also looking at some different programs for students in terms of uh, incentivizing for those who don't use their cars that frequently, but, mm. but want to have a place off campus where they can you know, have access to the car, but maybe not all the time. And, and looking at some different ways to get better utilization of those existing yeah. spaces. So, so we take that concern very seriously. And I don't, uh, I don't take lightly the inconveniences that students have faced. I'm going to play then a question for, for you uh, from a UM student, uh, Gabriela Wida, um, and we'll get your response to that. I'm Gabriella. I'm a neuroscience major, and I'm a freshman here at UM. And I was wondering if the new heat plant that's being built, if it's going to be eco-friendly or a sustainable form of energy, or if it is just going to replace the old um, kind of coal heat. That's a great question. And uh, thank you, Gabriella. That is, uh, it's something we should ask with every project we undertake, the impact on the environment. And uh, I'm I'm proud to tell you that the uh, conversion of our heating plant to a combined heat and power plant will result in the largest single reduction in greenhouse gas emissions in the history of this university. You know, what we're doing, we are taking what was this university's primary heating plant to explain it. It's uh, burns natural gas to create steam. The steam pumps across campus, provides heat, hot water, everything else. What we're doing right now is we're still taking that natural gas but we're first running it through a gas turbine to create electricity and then using the waste heat from that process to create the steam we need to heat campus. And then even getting, well, there's still some energy left in that steam. We use it to spin a steam uh, heat recovery steam turbine uh, generator to create even more electricity. Mm-hmm. So we're going to not just reduce significantly this university's uh, carbon footprint, but save over a million dollars every year um, on electricity expense, much of which comes from coal-fired power plants. So this is uh, a, a, a big step forward in terms of uh, a reduction mm. of, 
of our, our carbon footprint here at the university. Well, President Bodner, I want to pivot here and, and rewind us back to last semester where UM grappled with some very controversial headlines. We saw a couple of lawsuits last semester dominate coverage in the first part of the year. You know, there was the August suit filed by four women, current and former employees with UM, who alleged that UM discriminated against them on the basis of sex, um, which, of course, 18 more women later signed on to, in which I have to point out, um, you, you know, President Bonner, you are named in that suit. But Mm -hmm. of course, it's still working through the courts, um, as is a second suit that was filed in November by former Lady Grizz basketball coach Shannon Schwain, who alleges that her gender played a role in UM not renewing her contract, also still in the courts right now. But amidst all this, we also saw controversy in the School of Law that saw its dean step down from leadership after allegations that they mishandled sexual assault claims. And I think it's, you know, right to point out that UM has a history um, that extends back, you know, years of being investigated for mishandling Title IX complaints. Um, The most recent was a federal investigation in 2018. Mm -hmm. So looking at the big picture here, you stepped into a university that has faced repeated and ongoing reckonings over the way women are treated on campus. So President Bodner, is UM doing enough to correct its years of documented problems handling discrimination based on sex? Yeah, I think it's a great question. And I think we always need to be asking that because we need to be doing everything we can to make sure that we have a campus that not only prizes diversity, but is is inclusive and is, is pushing for greater equity at all levels. Um, you know, with regard to specifically the lawsuits, as you can imagine, I won't comment in detail about ongoing legal matters, but uh, I would echo with regard to the suit filed in August, the statements the university system has already made that, you know, these accusations are not based on facts uh, and we don't believe that this this case has legal merit, uh, but it's going to run its way through its, its court system. With regard to um, the case regarding uh, the Lady Grizz, you know, I have the utmost respect for uh, for Coach Swain, the impact she had not just as a coach, but as a student athlete and not just on this university, but on our entire community. Um, but but we, we disagree with the allegations in that complaint um, and we'll handle those through the appropriate matters. What I would tell you, though, is that this is a university that is committed to. Um, to equity and in particular gender equity. And it's been a priority of mine uh, since joining the university. In fact, in 2019, we launched uh, what's called our Sea Change Initiative, which SEA stands for, you know, the, the, the idea that we want not just to have a campus that's safe for women, but, but a campus that uniquely empowers women and helps to accelerate them into careers of impact. And, you know, as you look at uh, my leadership team, my direct report executive leadership team, it is uh, about two thirds female. Uh, when you look at the the people who are currently serving in positions as deans, they are majority female. Uh, since I joined uh, in 2018, we've at the director level and above, when you look at the the people who have been hired into those positions, about 60% of them have been women. And when you look at internal promotions um, to that rank of, of director and administrator, mm-hmm. about 75% of them have been women. So this has been a priority uh, for our institution and, and something that I think we're making progress on. Mm-hmm. Are we done? Absolutely not. Does sexism exist in the world? Does racism exist in the world? Absolutely it does. Mm-hmm. And it's something we all need to work uh, to to address in every way that we can. I also want to ask, you know, do the lawsuits, though, and these sort of like 
headlines going through the process going around social media, do you believe that they hurt UM's image on the public stage? And, and you know, how do we remedy that? You know, Austin, one thing I've learned in life is uh, you focus on what you can control. Uh, you can't necessarily focus on, uh, on, on false claims that are made by individuals. What you can control, though, is, is what you do as an individual, what you do as a leader. And, uh, you know, driving toward a more equitable, inclusive workplace and leadership environment here at this university is something that's been a priority of mine since I got here. It's an area in which I think we're making good progress, and it's an area in which we're going to continue to focus moving forward. All right, President Bodner, I want to roll us to a clear win of a headline last fall, which was its first uh, UM's first overall enrollment increase in more than 10 years, which was driven in large part by a large freshman class. And, you know, this is objectively uh, great news. Of course, there is still more work to be done as we're still thousands of students short of our peak in 2011. But, you know, it is progress. So mm -hmm. who do you really credit for this this positive increase we've seen? Well, it, it is really exciting. And as you as you alluded to, we had a uh, an increase of about 30 percent in our incoming class in uh, in the fall of 21 versus the previous fall. Uh, so really exciting. Uh, and, and we're seeing continued momentum uh, and, and we expect to see continued growth in the years ahead. So I, I want to give great credit to uh, uh, our vice president for enrollment, uh, Mary Krita. Uh She and her team have, have done really a phenomenal job over the last year and a half of, of addressing some of the challenges we had and and better reaching out to students, following up to students, helping make them more aware of the tremendous opportunities here at the University of Montana. So, so uh, Mary and her team deserve a, a tremendous amount of credit, of course. Um, you know, we always though talk about that headline of how, how's the incoming class look? Um, but the other, you know, story that, that you know, I'm, I'm, tremendously proud of this campus is uh, is around retention and you know because it's not enough just for uh, a university to recruit students to come here we want those students to persist and succeed to graduation and that starts with making sure they persist to that second year and the reality is we'd seen a significant decline in um's uh, first to second year retention rate between 2010 and 2018 and, mm -hmm. and uh, you know for, since 2018 to fall of 2021, We've seen an increase in our first to second year retention rate of six from 68% to 75.5%, a full seven percentage points, uh, a more than 10% increase on that base of 68% just in three years. And, and that's, you know, goes back to our focus on student success. So we've added advisors. Um, We've revamped our orientation. We've really focused on helping to make sure that, that we're providing the support mechanisms to not just get students here, but help them succeed. And, and that to me is, uh, is, is really a tremendous achievement that our academic advisors, uh, our, our Office of Student Success, our faculty, of course, have done a phenomenal job. So, so you know, obviously to grow enrollment, uh, you, you have to bring larger classes in, but mm. you have to make sure that, that that students persist and, and, and succeed at higher rates. So uh, we're excited on both fronts and, and we want to build upon that. President Bonner, I'm going to play you another question uh, at this time from UM student Zion Cervantes, and then you can feel free to respond to that. My name is Zion Cervantes. I'm double majoring in political science and economics, and I am currently a sophomore. My question to President Bodner is, 
BIPOC currently make up only 20% of U of M's population. And to me that feels a little low considering that it's a liberal arts school, it's a beautiful school, it has lots to offer. So what is President Bodner going to do in order to increase or advertise to these BIPOC that so desperately want a good education and why the University of Montana is a good fit for them? Well, it's a fantastic question and, uh, and, and absolutely is a priority for us. And so I think it's, uh, it, it's really a twofold question uh, or twofold solution, excuse me. And number one, how do we do a better job of outreach? Um, to students outside the outside the state of Montana and other communities, and and particularly uh, BIPOC students, to make them aware of the opportunities here, and and so you'll that's that's part of our recruiting uh, efforts over the past year. We've seen a, a much stronger outreach to students uh, across Montana, students out of state, where uh, where you know Montana is is just by nature, it, by its population is not a state with a tremendous amount of diversity. And so as we look to enhance diversity, we are looking at, at, at recruiting out of state. So that's been a big focus. And in fact, we're in the midst right now with uh, Vice President Jenny Petty, who joined us last March, uh, has done a phenomenal job uh, over the past year of doing some analysis of how we're talking about this university in ways that resonate uh, with a more diverse population of students. And so you'll see us uh, positioning uh, the, the university uh, through a different branding strategy that is that is uh, informed by data um, that uh, that with with focus groups and with student groups mm. that uh, you know was 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 really supported by more diverse groups of students. So so it's it's telling that story in a way that uh, that that makes more a more diverse student population aware of UM. But you know, as we said last question, um, you have to make sure that students succeed here, and um, mm. and that's uh, one of the reasons last year we hired uh, Dr. Selena Beaumont Hill as our first ever director of inclusive excellence, and so. Um, Selena's job is to work with our student groups, you know, whether it's our Black Student Union, our Asia Pacific Islanders uh, Club, whether it's, uh, you know, name any of our student groups, our, our, our Kiao Student Association, mm. to, to make sure that uh, these clubs are supported, that, we're, that we as a campus are doing uh, an effective job of supporting BIPOC students and making them feel at home and supported uh, in an inclusive environment here on campus. And so you have to, you have to work a, a multi-pronged effort there. I would ask one follow-up to, to your response there, President Bodner, and it's about the Kiao powwow. Mm -hmm. um, when can we expect that fund that was established to start bringing in funds for that group to be able to use? Yeah, it's a good question. And there was unfortunately a little bit of confusion on that. You know, we established a, a $300,000 endowment uh, this earlier this year to to fund the Kiao Powwow in perpetuity. Uh, we uh, we had uh, <clears throat> the opportunity to, to do that with the help of a donor. Uh, we did that in honor of Chief Earl Oldperson, uh, the, the, the Blackfeet uh, tribal chief who was uh, uh, it was just such a great role model for all of us. And I was really honored to, to be able to support the power. And I look forward to going on, on Friday. And, and the way an endowment works is it has to sit and generate some returns before you can start actually uh, drawing from that endowment. And in fact, this year, because we didn't want to take away from the corpus, i.e. The, the base amount of funding, we're contributing one-time dollars to support the powwow this year while that endowment builds up to do it in following years because we want to protect the ongoing funding. So I'm really glad you asked that question because we actually invested the $300,000 and then on top of that, put the funding in there for this year that the endowment would have provided. 
Moving on to another a uh, couple of headlines that bounced around this last semester and this semester, President Bodner. We had a couple of professors on campus who, uh, you know, rose a lot of student protest. Last fall, we saw a professor in the computer science department, Rob Smith, resign his post after it came to light that he wrote some, you know, very problematic blog posts about the roles women should play in society and, you know, how they should marry young, some of which contained you know, homophobic and Islamophobic sentiments. Um, Rob Smith resigned, and, and you put out a statement condemning, you know, his writings. Protests, though, sprang up again this semester over the private messages and speech that were, uh, you know, delivered by UM business professor Clayton Looney um, that were, you know, there, there was racist content in those messages. Um, however, Looney is still scheduled to take on classes this fall after stepping away. And, you know, UM deemed this as a non-workplace issue, of course. But... In both of these cases, President Bonner, students look to you to, you know, fire these professors. Smith resigned. Looney's still on. Why can't UM do more? And has it done enough in this situation? Yeah, and good, and good question. I'm glad you asked it, Austin. I want to say right up front and reiterate what I've said publicly already, that that uh, the comments made by these individuals, you know, are, are abhorrent. Uh, they go against what UM stands for. They go against the, my personal values, uh, the values of this institution, um, and uh, they make me angry. Um, and, and, you know, what I would tell you is we are limited in our ability to take action based on speech between an employee and a family member. Um, and, and so that's something that's important really for, for, for all of us to understand. We're a state institution and, uh, and, and there are, are, are limits again, again, against, uh, to our ability to, to regulate, uh, and act on speech by an employee and, uh, and a member of their family. Um, but it's, it's why, you know, it, it doesn't take away from the fact I should say that we remain committed to making sure that we have an inclusive, supportive environment here, and uh, and I want to I want to commend students who are speaking out and, and helping us to to work toward uh, greater equity and in a more inclusive environment here in our campus and, and across our community. So, but President Bodner, are you you know comfortable saying as you did that UM is going to continue to push for diversity and inclusion, while you know as of now this fall it will continue to employ faculty who have expressed exclusionary ideas. You know, as we've said, uh, the the uh, uh, comments between an employee and a member of their family are uh, are not within the purview of a state agency to regulate. Uh, and and I think, as as important as that as that may feel, uh, and as angry as that may make us, um, that is uh, an important part of uh, of 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 our legal code here in the United States. And I've got a question here uh, to round out this segment from UM student Aaron Heaton for you. My name's Aaron Heaton. I'm a freshman that studies social work and sociology. My question for President Bodner is, what are you doing in your day-to-day -day life to be actively anti-racist? So, Aaron, great question, uh, and it's something that uh, you know I work I work continually on, um, whether it's through. Um, reading, uh, whether it's through talking with students to get a better understanding of their perspective, um, continually working, whether it's with our our, our Title IX coordinator and director of uh, Equal Opportunity, uh, Alicia Arant, learning from uh, our, our 
uh, President's Native American Advisory Council uh, that, that I created uh, upon joining here, uh, working with our Diversity Advisory Council um, to help gain perspectives on some of the systemic aspects of uh, you know systemic you know exa- examples of systemic racism that still exist and, and how we can address that you know I, I admittedly as a white male my lived experience uh, is very different and so it's very important for me to seek to understand um, some of the barriers that exist to some individuals on our campus achieving their full potential. And uh, and so whether it's with, again, the Diversity Advisory Council, the President's Native American Advisory Council, um, our various teams from, uh, you know, whether it's the Black Student Union, uh, mm. the opportunity to attend the Black Sol- Solidarity Summit. Um, I wasn't able to make it there this year, but, but, uh, <clears throat> but, but going through that, understanding, going through, um, you know whether it's it's allies training, hmm. uh, which uh, which I did. You know those are good learning experiences for me to gain a, a perspective that's helpful for me as a leader. Moving quickly here to athletics, President Bodner. Um, overall, UM has had a pretty stellar year across the board. Um, although there was a recent 406 Sports piece on Montana State University's President Waded Cruzado, um, sort of touting her impact on their athletic successes over there at MSU. Mm-hmm. And I'm just wondering if you're feeling left out at all. <laughs> you know, look, we had, uh, and it's always fun to 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 have our uh, our rivalry discussions. Um, you know, I, look, I think it was a very good year for Grizzly Athletics. You know, we came out of a, uh, a really disruptive year of a pandemic. And I want to give a huge kudos to uh, our Department of Athletics and the way in which they supported our student athletes through a, a really difficult year of, of uh, competing through COVID. Um, but look, it was great to see Washington Grizzly Stadium uh, filled the capacity multiple times uh, this year. Uh, we had a, a zoo crew student section that was really uh, nice and, 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 and lively, and we want to build upon that next year. And, you know, look, we, uh, we had some uh, our, our rival team, you mentioned them, they, uh, they came <laughs> to town in November, and uh, that was a pretty sound beating. Mm. Um, and uh, that felt pretty good, I think, for everybody. So, uh, so, you know, we have high expectations for the season ahead, but it was nice to get that, uh, that Brawl of the Wild trophy back here uh, in Missoula where it belongs. And then men's and women's basketball. You know, I think uh, we saw great progress uh, in, the, in the Lady Grizz program this year. It was a, uh, really exciting to see, again, the rivals come to town and, and, and go home hmm. defeated, uh, both on the, on, the, on the women's and men's side. Our men's team's young this year, uh, but I think great potential ahead. And, and uh, you know, I think on the, on the men's side, that rivalry, I think the, uh, our men's team has, 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 has beat our, our rivals on the other side of divide, I think 20 out of the last 22 times. <laughs> so uh, so it's, it's, uh, it's, I, I think I, I feel pretty good about where we're headed athletics-wise. And then a quick question here before we move uh, from a student, before we move into our final questions of the interview, President Bodner. I, uh, like I said, I'm Aaron Fonts. I play football for the University of Montana Grizzlies. I'm number 16. I play wide receiver. And my question is, is when can we get a bear to run out the tunnel with us? Whoa. Aaron, that's a, uh, that's a good question. Well, Monty already does it, I guess is what I'd say. Um, but, uh, you know, I uh, haven't 
having you know seen grizzly bears in the wild from a, a very safe distance, I'm not sure I want to run beside a grizzly bear. Um, and uh, I think we got a bunch of grizzlies that run out of that tunnel. And uh, I want to <laughs> keep Aaron and his teammates safe. So I think we might. Uh, it might be a while before we actually see a uh, intentionally at least a live grizzly <laughs> coming out of that tunnel. <laughs> Some speed round questions here. I know we're running out of time to to close out the interview. Um, first, I was wondering to know, what are you most proud of for this year at UM? You know, I think the way that this community has, uh, has bounced back from COVID. Um, you know, the last, the last two years I've said to people, and look, and I've served in, uh, I've served in combat zones with uh, people trying to kill me for extended periods of time. Um, but the last two years have been the most difficult time, two years of my life as a leader, um, dealing with the uncertainty of COVID, the stress of COVID. But they've also been the most uh, rewarding and inspiring of, of my career as well. To see the way that our entire community, from our faculty, of course, to our staff, our advisors, our facilities team, our athletics team, our, our dining team, our residence life team, I could go across the board. The way that everyone really rallied together mm. to help ensure our students were able to keep on learning through the challenges of this pandemic has been awe-inspiring. And to see our retention rate increase in the midst of a global pandemic is really a testament, uh, again, to to our faculty, to our staff, but also to our students. And I think, you know, the the we really could, we use that term heart of the grizzly quite a bit. And you've seen the heart of the grizzly on full display this mm -hmm. past year. And I'm, I've just been enormously proud to be a part of this community. And our final question for you today, President Bodner, you know, you came to UM at a time when it was going through some really difficult challenges. And we are, you know, it would seem on a trajectory to be pulling ourselves out of these challenges. And we've seen lots of progress. Um, but, you know, there have been some sort of, there's always conversation, I should say, about people sort of wondering what's next for you. Mm -hmm. um, so a sort of a two-pronged question, you know, how, how long do you see yourself staying with UM? And also I'm obligated to ask, you know, there've been some rumors of you sort of setting out on a political career. And I was hoping that you could respond to those as well. <laughs> Look, I have uh, no plans to go anywhere else. Uh, you know, I feel very privileged to be in this job right now. Um, and, and when I came here, I came here with, uh, with three young kiddos in tow. Those kiddos, uh, my oldest are at Washington Middle School and, uh, and, and my wife grew up here in Missoula. So, uh, so this has been a, a home away from home for me for, for 20 years from now. And it's been such an honor for the last four years for it to be home for my family. Uh, it's the place where uh, our kids have lived the longest. It's frankly, as I was reflecting the other day, this is the, uh, the place where I've lived the longest since I was 18 years mm. old. Uh, and so, uh, you know, I, I moved around a lot in the military and a corporate career. And, uh, and so Missoula is the, this is the, the, the place where I've lived the longest uh, since my childhood home. And uh, we're very happy to be here. And, you know, I'm going to continue to serve the university as long as, uh, as long as I feel like I can do as, as the, the job that this campus deserves. I mean, this campus and this community is, is it's an incredibly special place. And, uh, you know, I feel really excited about the leadership team we've built. Uh, you know, I'm excited to see uh, uh, and, and work with Provost Madavi as she comes on board. Uh, she's a phenomenal leader. And uh, I'm excited about the directory we're on. And uh, I continue to keep, uh, 
keep pushing on the keep pushing on this until somebody taps me on the shoulder and tells me it's uh, it's time to do something else. Well, once again, I'd like to thank you, President uh, Bodner, for agreeing to this interview and for your candor on our final common cast of this academic year. President Bodner, thanks for coming in today. Oh, thanks, Austin. It's been a pleasure to be here. Hey, I just wanted to take a moment to thank you guys, our listeners, for making the Kaiman cast such a huge success in its first year. Over the last two semesters, we covered everything from a bear apocalypse on campus and the start of recreational weed sales in Montana to the journeys of immigrants and award-winning actors. With your support, the KaimanCast was even able to add an audio reporter to give a second look at the topics we discussed. We published more than 45 episodes this year, and I'm so happy to say that the KaimanCast isn't going anywhere. Stick around through the summer, and we'll be back in the fall with second look reporter Eleanor Smith at the reins. I know for a fact that you're all in very capable hands, and I can't wait to see where Eleanor takes you next year. So, one last time. The Kaiman Cast is produced and edited by me, Austin Amistoy. That's it for this week's episode, and for the Kaiman Cast's first year on air. Next time, well, we'll just have to wait and see. You can bet. I'll see you there. <laughs>